It's fall at JCPenney. Time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 straight fit jeans for guys, $36.99. And select Arizona booties for her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prices already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. Coupon valid 10, 5 to 10, 9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance elections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season of first 927 to 1018. In the sun. In the sun, I feel as one. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at the same account and Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball. We are here to talk about the uh, action from Thursday's two games to uh, two series that ended and then preview the three game sixes that we have got for Friday. So... Let's get to it. To it. Let's uh, let's get to it. Indeed. Before we do, just a quick shout out to uh, to big fan of the show Lisa K, who uh, who actually approached the head of the Locked On Podcast Network, David Locke, met him the other day and uh, and told him how much that uh, that she enjoyed enjoyed this show. So Lisa, I do appreciate that. David got back to me today and actually mentioned that to me. So uh, thank you for for mentioning to that and saying how much you you like the show. I'll uh, I will send the check in the mail. Big shout out to you, Lisa. Um, all right. We're going to talk about all the action that went down on um, on Thursday. As I said, two series, two more series done. That's five that are over. Let's look at the perfect DFS lineup from Thursday's action. On Fangio, Matty Dellavedova had 23.8 and Tone Parker had 34.4. So the cheaper point guards getting it done there. Parker has been absolutely re-energized in this series. This is not the same Tony Parker we saw from November through to April. Um, just really, it looks like Tony Parker from seven years ago. It, it's it's been quite remarkable, to be honest. The shooting guards: Yanni Adedokumpo, fifty-four point three, and Demar Derozan at forty-eight point three. Small forward: Kawhi, fifty point eight. He was always the guy that you wanted to build your lineups around. While Jim Ennis at seventeen point one had another solid game in his uh, last performance for the season. Pat Patterson at seventeen and a half, and Lamarcus Aldridge. At 29.9, and at center, it was Marcus Gasol with 32 for a total of 308.1, and that cost $59,800. On DraftKings, Yanni had 56.75, DeRozan had 50, Vinci Carter had 20, Pat Patterson had 18.75, Gasol, Mark had 33.25, Daly at 25, Kawhi at 52.25, and Tone Parker had 35.5, and that's a uh, a total of 291.5, and that cost $49,600 dues. Let's uh, let's talk about these games now in a bit of extra detail. The first game is Toronto and Milwaukee, and I've got uh, Will Enrique says, all I have to say is that Monroe is a turd burglar. Monroe was never a great option to use in this situation. We've seen it throughout the last four games that him and Thon McCurr have split the minutes right down the middle. In this one, he did struggle. He got into some early foul trouble, but he, he still only played... 24 minutes, which is what he's done the last couple of games, and that's the way. Still got criticisms of what Kidd does, obviously, because even in a game where Munro's struggling, you don't go to John Henson. You go to a guy who is outplaying, even outplaying Munro, and that's McCurr. Just again, dumb, 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 
dumb coaching pervades throughout these playoffs. It's it's been I'm not saying it's the cost of the of the games or that's you know what that made the Bucks lose or anything like that, but dumb. Toronto gets the victory finally, 92-89, but shit. They were up by over 20 points in the fourth quarter and choked it away until the uh, Bucks got the lead back with a... They had, I think they were on a 35-7 to run in the fourth quarter at one point. The Bucks they got up off the back of a Jason Terry three-pointer. This is how weird this stuff is in the playoffs. Jason Terry, who was bad and shouldn't have been playing for majority of this game and series, and then hits a couple of big three-pointers down the stretch. Just a really weird performance. That, and the, the Raptors then choke it. The Bucks get back in front. And then the Raptors pull it together for the last two, three minutes and get the victory. Advance on to now take on the Cavs. And if they're going to dish up that shit against Cleveland, it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, I think the Cavs will win that probably in five would be my guess. But um, we are, I think we'll see. They can obviously play better than that Toronto, but it was, it was horrendous, especially that late game execution. But I reckon that part of the reason they got such a big lead was some of the coaching of Jason Kidd. Now, not to say that Dwayne Casey coached a flawless game, because he didn't, because once again, he misused Jonas Valanciunas, who saw just 17 minutes and had six and, and five, and you just had to go back to him. You know, Ibaka was struggling in his minutes. Pat Patterson was all right, but I don't know. Just the misuse of Valanciunas is, is a baffling phenomenon. DeMar had 32, four, and three with five steals. He was good. Kyle Lowry was okay without being brilliant, 13, four, and four with two steals and a block, and it just continues... It just continues the uh, the theme of Lowry struggling once we hit the second half of the season. It just is a, a pretty common thread for Kyle. Serge played a lot of center, obviously started at center, 7-11 and 11 with two blocks, so his shooting wasn't great. Did have a couple of nice defensive moments, while Pat Patterson had 7-5 and five with two steals there. Damari Carroll started, hit two threes, played 13 minutes because he is bad, while Norm Powell played 31. It wasn't the greatest Norm Powell night. He didn't really get involved much offensively. In fact, no other player apart from DeMar DeRozan took more than nine shots on this team, and that was Lowry that took nine. DeRozan took 24, and Powell took six. He still hit two threes. Hasn't missed a three-pointer this series. Um, eight points with three rebounds. Josh Lewenberger brought up a uh, a really interesting point regarding Powell, is that last season he played well in uh, round one against the Pacers, and then you know, had really good playoffs. And then he got to the um, got to the matchup against the Cavs and didn't play at all. And Lewenberg doesn't think that we'll see Powell starting in this series against the Cavs. So don't get uh, while he's been a great DFS play, and even though he wasn't brilliant there at his salary on Fangio, it wasn't a failure to use him anyway, especially when he was like ninety five percent owned, which is uh, yeah, fine to do in cash. Um, but I wouldn't be expecting the same sort of role for him. Maybe PJ Tucker moves into that starting role. We also saw some DeLon Wright, Corey Joseph, Kyle Lowry lineups from Dwayne Casey here, and Wright was all right. He had a couple of scratchy moments, but he was all right. He had four points, while Corey Joseph had just five, but one of those was a key three to uh, retake the lead late in the game, a lead which they never ended up surrendering. For the Bucks, they're done until next season. Bad start, bad coaching. Big comeback. Brogdon struggled in this one. We had nine min- minutes of John Henson. For what reason? I have literally absolutely no idea. Okay, Munro's in early foul trouble. You know what you do? How about you put in the guy that's playing well, Thon McCurr? Now, Thon had been playing 24 minutes a night for the last three or four games. Him and Munro with a 24-minute split on both. And then the night when Munro gets in foul trouble early, McCurr plays 13 minutes in a game where he has five blocks in 13 minutes. But let's roll out nine minutes of John Henson. Jason Kidd will never learn. 
Love the Bucks. Love their young talent. I actually like the way that Kidd has built them up with the injuries, with the, the Middleton situation, the Parker situation. He's done well. But he is a massive, massive handbrake to their potential with just shitful moves. Leaving Jason Terry in too long. You're not going to Beasley or Toledovic for one single minute in this game. Playing nine bullshit minutes of John Henson while leaving McCurr on the bench. Like, this stuff is pointless. It is bullshit. It is harmful. It is ridiculous. And that is why they will never be a great team with Kid at the helm. Because he's a shit coach. With as much credit as I can give him, he's still a shit coach. And those sort of decisions are wrong. And they are, they are just flat out wrong. It's as simple as that. Yanni, 34-9 with two steals and two blocks. He did everything he could except for the poor free throw shooting. And poor free throw shooting ended up costing Milwaukee this game. Chrissy Middleton played through his illness to play 42 minutes, 19-4-5. Probably should give Yanni a shout-out for missing just one minute and 21 seconds of this game. He ended up with 47 minutes of action played, um, which was huge. And he was he was dead by the end, but putting up some, some good performances there. Well, Munro had 6-7 and seven with a steal and a block. And uh, it was bad Tone Snell night. Two points in 31 minutes for Tone. He had exactly the same production as McCurr. 2-2-2 two, two, and two for the uh, the shithouse Richie Benno for, for Tone Snell. McCurr had the same, 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Played 17 less, 18 less minutes and had five blocks. But still, that's the way that Kidd decided was best to run things. Who am I to uh, to question, um, question his uh, rotations? Matthew Day says that Norm Powell was only 65% in my GPP on Fangio. 60, uh, well, um, I, I know on a, someone tweeted me a picture of a cash game. He was 94.8% owned. And that was always going to be the case. Is on cash, it was going to be much higher because everyone would be looking at him. Um, kid, yeah. <laughs> we know about kid. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about the next game, the Spurs and the Grizzlies. The Spurs get over the Grizz. The Grizz had a lead in the fourth quarter, and then Kawhi said, "Nah, this is this isn't happening. Let's uh, let's just deal with this." And, and he deal with it. He did. He played forty minutes and had twenty nine four and three with three steals. Got to the line thirteen times and hit twelve of them. And the Grizzlies are done. So the Spurs now move on to take to take on the Houston Rockets in an interesting series. If I had to pick it now, I would pick the Rockets in seven. Um, without me putting massive amounts of thoughts into it, but uh, Rockets in seven. I'll go back to the Cavs one. I reckon Cavs in. Cavs in five against the Raptors is my early pick there. I talked about Tone Parker already, 27-2-4 on 11-14 of 14 shooting and including a really clutch shot right at the end to uh, you know seal the victory for the Spurs. Just amazing stuff from Parker in this series. Aldridge had 17-12 and 12, but was inefficient as he's been for big chunks of this season, while Pat Mills had 10 points in his 22. Dan Green, not much to see. Dave Lee started again, had 7-6. and six. Yeah. Not bad. Um, while the Undertaker Dwayne Dedman was resurrected for the end of the third quarter, he played just the uh, just the three minutes. I think that we're going to see more Undertaker in the next series against Houston and less Dave Lee. I think you're going to be looking at David Lee as very much Ennis Cantor in terms of what James Harden will be able to do to him, and that is or that should limit Lee's playing time. So expect more Undertaker, Aldridge front courts rather than Lee, Aldridge front courts. But I guess we will wait and see. Pagasol also putrid 0 of 6 from the field for 0 points. He's been really bad in these playoffs, and that's that's been underreported. I think he has just been bad. The Grizz, gutsy stuff from them. No toenail in the whole series, but some uh, big performances. Mike Conley was a star, 26-2-5 in 45. Olga Sol had 18-5-6, but weirdly went missing in the fourth quarter. Big Mark 
Well, Jimmy Ennis, remember when they started Wayne Seldon? Remember when they just eliminated Ennis from the rotation at the end of the season? What do these coaches think half the time? 11-3-1 for Ennis in 29 with three triples, while Vincey Carter had 12-4 with two triples in his 32, and Zebo double-double. Jermichael Green struggled. He's going to be a real interesting restricted free agent in this offseason. Um, he's old. I think he's 27 years old. He's a restricted free agent. Let's see what sort of an offer he gets. I don't think that he is uh, that good, and if a team goes out there and pays him $15 million a year, which may, may be stretching it. No, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a great investment, but we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to see how that goes down. I'm not sure the Grizzlies should necessarily be, be pursuing him at that sort of a price, especially when they can hopefully bring on a guy like Deontay Davis or bring on a guy like uh, like Jarrell Martin potentially in that place rather than paying $60 million for four years of Jermichael Green. He'll be 31, 32 years old at the end of that deal, which I don't think is probably the... Uh, the greatest way of uh, approaching that. All right, let's now transition um, transition into uh, Friday's game. We've got Eric Lapointe here. It says, Josh, I finally stayed up late to watch a little of your show live. I love the show. I found your show in January. Listen daily since. Thank you, Eric. I do appreciate that. And uh, this one is a little bit earlier today because the game's finished a little bit earlier. So we are in getting a little bit, bit of action in earlier. So thank you, Eric, for tuning in. Let's talk about Friday's action. Um... The first game we're going to talk about is the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. The Wiz have the 3-2 lead back in Atlanta for Game 6. These are all Game 6s, so all these series can end, and then we can get our game, or we can get Round 2 kicking off, hopefully. Let's see how it all works out, though. I'm sure the teams like the Bulls, the Clippers... And the Hawks don't want these series to end just yet. For the Wizards, there are a couple of injury concerns we need to look at. Yanmi Hinmi and Jason Smith are both questionable, and that's a big deal because they're obviously both guys that play backup center. Marching Gortat has been an absolute non-factor offensively, and if Mahinmi can go, if Smith can go, I think you're going to see a real limited Gortat, at least not a Gortat that plays 38 or 39 minutes. So there is a, quite a few permutations of things that can actually change here. If both Mahinmi and Smith are out, we're going to get a lot of Gortat, and we're going to get a lot of Markeith Morris, and we're probably going to get a lot more Kelly Oubre once Morris inevitably gets into foul trouble, and they have to run Oubre at the four, or even Boyan Bogdanovich at the four. So there's going to be some minutes open up for some of those wing, wing guys if Mahinmi and Smith both happen to be out. Let's talk point guards. John Wall, 10,400. It's a safe way to spend 10400 now. On FanDuel, on this slate of games, going cheap at point guard might actually be the better option. But if you've got cash left over, I really like John. It's going to be a choice between John and Chris Paul in that $10,000 point guard range. Personally, I like Wall just because you've got the matchup advantage. You've got the pace advantage as well. So that is a way of going at point guard, but there are a couple of cheap point guards who are who are really interesting to look at, especially when you look at Isaiah Cannon in Chicago at his cheap price and Austin Rivers in uh, Los Angeles at his cheap price. So you're going cheap at point guard or going you know, big and cheap with, with a, a wall and cannon or wall and rivers might be a way to, uh, to go about structuring a lineup. As for Dennis Schroeder, he is at 8400 He just casually dropped 50 in the last game, and FanDuel said, oh, we probably should drop his price. Now, 8400 is not jump-onable. It's not, yeah, let, let's do this, let's smash it, but it's still pretty good. He has been fantastic for four of the five games in terms of generating DFS stats, and while I'm not all that confident at 8400 if if you've got the money around, you're getting 40 out of Schroeder, 38 out of Schroeder, is far from a... Uh, a stretch. 
there's a huge possibility in him doing that. So it's not a bad investment just at that salary. Brandon Jennings, Jose Calderon, the, the cheap backup point guards here. You've got better cheap options in other games, so they're not they're not really for me. Timmy Hardaway's down, or he's not down, he's up now to four thousand nine hundred. Had a decent game in the last one. I think he's I think he's alright. At some point he is going to hit some shots and he's gonna have a big game, and maybe it's this one. So that might lean you a little bit more towards tournament play. At forty five on DraftKings, I'm feeling a lot happier about Hardaway over there. Well, Brattles Beals at seventy nine. Much like John Wall, I feel good in his floor. Um, huge game in the last one defensively, especially where he had 47 points and uh, three steals, three blocks. He is at uh, 7,900 on FanDuel and 78 on DraftKings. I like it more on FanDuel, and I think there is some use in him over there. The small forwards, we've got Otto Porter at 4,900. Really yeah, scored well on minimal shots. Got to the line a lot in the last game. At four th- When he was at 6,000, I really disliked it. But down at 4,900, it- it's hard to go past. Otto at 55 on DraftKings, there are better plays. But at 49 on uh, Fangio, there aren't many. Kent Bazemore is always just a tournament guy. While Torian Prince, they haven't really adjusted his price too much. He's at 4,400, and I have no issue with that in cash. As I've said plenty of times, he is just getting 22, 23 every single game. And as you can see, you saw in the perfect lineups how low the actual perfect lineup score to it. DraftKings' perfect score was 291. Perfect. That's very, very low. We legit had 430 perfect lineup scores throughout the year. And Fangio the same. You have 450 sometimes. And you're getting scores of 310, 320. It's a big drop. So you're getting a fairly consistent production at a Torian Prince, which we've got through five games. At 4,400, I'm okay with that. Uh, Dunleavy, Bogdanovich, Ubre. I would look at Bogdanovich. Definitely look at him in the tournament. And if you've got Smith and Mahinmi out, I would look at him a lot harder. Same with Ubre, but Bogdanovich to me has got the much bigger ceiling because he can go off. He can drop a a 30-pointer with seven threes. Like he can do that. Ubre, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, Bogdanovich can also have two points, but that's why he becomes that tournament-type option. At power forward, Mark keeps at 53. He just can't stay out of foul trouble. One good game, four shit ones. Is it a good one here? Who knows? Uh, I would only want to take that that risk into a, into a tournament situation. Well, Paulie Millsap at 8,600, totally fine. Yeah, totally fine using Millsap. I would rather spend the 10 on, say, John Wall or Chris Paul. But depending on whether you go cheap at point guard, which could be the best option, then spending up, yeah, spending up on a power forward, spending up on a center like DeAndre, like Gobert, might be a better way to actually set up a, to set up a lineup. Um, centers, Gortat's at fifty six hundred. No Smith, no Mahinmi. Love it. If Mahinmi plays, hate it. And if Mahinmi plays, he is at one thousand five hundred. Absolutely would be looking at that as GPP if he is ready to go. And he probably won't be ready to play 24 minutes. But in 18 minutes, he could very, very easily exceed $1,500 worth of value. Very easily. Super easily. So keep an eye out for the news. This is the first game, so we'll hear about it earlier on. At $1,500 for Mahinmi, if he plays, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think there's good value. Dwighty Howard at 6,800. He has just been piss poor for the majority of this series. At 63 on DraftKings, it's a little, a little better, but I'm still not really, uh, not really putting all my, uh, balls behind that one. Let's move on to the next game. We'll talk about the uh, Boston Celtics and the Chicago Bulls back in Chicago for game six. The Celtics are favored by two points and the total is 204. Rajon Rondo is out as uh, I did speculate yesterday. I didn't think he'd be ready to go. He is out. So we're going to get more cannonball time. Isaiah Cannon is at 2,600. He wasn't great in the last game. That's easily, you can see that. 
He's not because he's not good. Well, we know that. But he had 13 points. Um, you get 15 points at 2600. You've paid back what you need to do. And he had 13.4. Yes, a 17, 18 point performance is not out of the uh, realms of possibility for Isaiah. And that's what makes him a an option with Rondo officially uh, ruled out at this stage. So you have to look at the cannonball. That's on Fangio. On DraftKings at 4,300, yeah, there's there's no value in that for Isaiah over there, unfortunately. You've got a couple of other cheap point guards, or at least one here in Terry Rozier at 2,300, who's getting more minutes at the expense of Jalen Brown, but he's not really converting them into too much. So I would rather take Cannon at 2,600 than take uh, Rozier at 23. Isaiah Thomas, $9,000. Just I would take the extra fourteen hundred and take John, Johnny Wall, rather than nine thousand on Isaiah. He still hasn't had the closure of his sister's funeral, which he'll be attending after Game Six. So I reckon we might not be seeing the uh, best of Isaiah Thomas here. So nine thousand doesn't seem like the best way for me to spend that sort of cash around. While well, Michael Carter Williams, who knows if he even gets into the game? That's that is the bull because almost without doubt, Anthony Murray hit some shots in the last game, so he's going to get his twenty five minutes. Because Hoiberg is the biggest chaser that I've ever seen. He just chases performances. Yeah. He's got no plan. No plan for anything. No plan. All right. Shooting guard. Dwayne Wade. The worst, best, best worst 49-point performance in the last one. He's at 7,500. He was brutally bad and also really good at the same time, as hard as that is to believe. He's at 7,500. He's at 72 on DraftKings. It's fine. Playoff weight hitting threes is apparently a real thing. I don't have full faith in it. He definitely wouldn't be a, a, a core guy for my lineups, but he's still a um, he's still a decent option at that sort of a salary. Avery Bradley at 64 really started to turn it around in the last game. Hopefully, he's gotten over whatever issues were plaguing him. I don't trusted as you know a foolproof buy but 5900 for him on DraftKings is a little better and I would absolutely be considering that Marcus Smart 6000 much like when I talked about say Tory and Prince earlier he's not smashing through his value but Smart you're just going to get 27 28 every single game and at 6000 bucks with all the expanded salaries that's not too far off where you need to be it probably it wouldn't be something I'd start with but if I was looking at it, when you know, I can fit a $6,000 marker smart in here because I don't have my 6400 for Avery Bradley, um, yeah, I'd, I'd go, all right, okay, I'm, I'm going to get 28 27 And even on nights when he's shooting shit outs, like the other stuff is going to come, and we've seen that through five games so far. So that is what makes smart marginally appealing. And it also gives you, man, imagine if the shot hits, then we've got 36, 37 points coming, and then it really does become a, a good play at that sort of a price. I mentioned Anthony Morrow. He's at 1,600. He had 13 in the last one. Does Hoiberg go back to him? Every indication says yes, because that is how Hoiberg coaches. And at 1,600 tournaments, we saw that the perfect lineup last time the Celtics Bulls played had Jonas Sherepko in it, and he had six points. So if you're looking to fit, maybe you want to fit a Chris Paul, John Wall backcourt in as your two guys, and you need to go cheap. The direction that the Bulls would head is maybe using Morrow more. So in a tournament, I imagine his ownership would be low, and that is something to consider. Jim Butler, we're still waiting on a game from Jim Butler, 9,800, game six, maybe this is it, but does he pack it in if they get down big? That That's a possibility as well. He is at 9,800, so the salary has come down a lot for Jim, and that does really increase his appeal. He's at 9,800 on DraftKings as well. I would have no problem with using him, and I'd, I'd consider him a pretty good option. Jay Crowder at 6,200. There are better ways to spend that. 
Power forward, Nikola Miritich, 5,700. Struggled in the last game, had only 16 points, but played 35 minutes. So the minutes weren't under any threat from Bob Portis. It was just a really bad night from uh, from Nico. I'm okay with going back to him at 5,700. The power forwards from the uh, Celtics, we've got Jonas Sharepko, who did have that massive 6.5-point game in the last one. But at 1,600, how far off is it? It's not. It's not far off at all, really. So if you're not taking Morrow, you're not taking Mahinmi as one of these cheap guys, Gerald Green's at 1,700, who had three points in the last game, and it turns out he's not the answer, shockingly. These are all guys that you you have to look. Yeah, Rosier, Green, Yurepko, they're all guys that you have to have a look at as a way to differentiate your tournament lineup, and they all should be considered there. At center, Al Horford's been great the last three games. He's at 8,300. I actually really like that. I feel pretty good about him getting 40 again here. He seems to have worked out how the Bulls are going to play him. While 6,000 for Robin Lopez, hopefully Hoiberg realizes he needs to actually play Lopez like he did in game five. And that makes him all right. I don't think that he's a strong play at that sort of a price. He's at 52 on DraftKings, which I like a lot better. But Lopez is someone to, to go to if you say... Don't have that situation where Mihin, where Gortat becomes a good play because Mihinmi's out. Then Lopez is another direction that you can head in that spot. Let's. Uh, oh, Kelly Link's the other one who, once again, was great, but gets limited by minutes. He's at five thousand bucks, so I don't really see the upside there for a Linux, unfortunately, given what we know about how Brad Stevens likes to butcher that. At or not at the next game, the last game. The Los Angeles Clippers and the Utah Jazz back in Utah. The total is 192.5, and the Jazz are favored by 5.5, looking to close out the series. Alec Burks is questionable, but he won't be in the rotation, irrespective of whether he's ready to go or not. At point guard, Georgie Hill, 5,700. I like Hill at 5,700. You're going mid-price point guards. Him and Schroeder are the two guys there, but we're talking a $3,000 difference between the two. And Hill's got this chance. It just gives you 27, 28. And a 5,700, I'm there for that. Austin Rivers is the tough one. 2,100 for Austin. He is back. Now, is he still on a minutes limit? He was in the last game. But if he's not on a minutes limit, he's playing 30 plus. Because there's no Blake Griffin, he is playing 30 plus if there's no minutes limit. And 30 minutes of Austin Rivers at 2,100. We saw when Griffin was out early this season, when Paul was out early this season, that Rivers can put up numbers. He's not as bad as the internet jokes might make you think. He's actually pretty decent. And at 2,100... There is a shit ton of value in him, but if he plays 16 minutes, a lot of that value flows away. So it is going to come down to what sort of information we hear from Doc. At this point, I'm leaning towards him playing the bigger minutes, pushing to 30, and that's going to give him tremendous value at 2,100. Chris Paul, like John Wall, everything I said for John Wall, just cover it with Chrissy Paul, 10,400 for Chris. You're going to get 50 out of him, and and you're rock solid. So Paul and Wall, great combination, unless you're going cheap with Rivers, with Cannon, and spending up at some of the other positions, Paulie Millsap, uh, DeAndre Rudy, those sort of players. Felton, Neto, Exum, nah. Shooting guard, JJ Redick, 3,900, finally got things going in the last game. To me, he's not reliable, nor is Jamal Crawford, who's been brutal the last couple of games. Redick is the guy that I would take a squeeze out, but they're both just tournament players. Well, Rocket Rodney Hood at 4,000, I actually don't mind him as a play either. 25 points in the last game, two strong performances, and it's really notable that he had that big game in the last one, even with Gordo Haywood playing. So his game four performance wasn't just because Haywood was out. He's starting to look a lot better, Rocket. So at 4,000, I wouldn't feel great about him in cash, but I am feeling a little bit more with his upside. 
Uh, Jinglin Joe at 4,900 with Haywood there with Rocket playing a little bit better. I'm just not sure I see the uh, the upside there for Jingle at uh, at 4,900. While Gordo's at 8,500, he looks to have figured out the Marmute. Also, they're moving Marmute onto Joe Johnson a lot, and that's opening things up for Gordo. So at 8,500 at home, closeout game, I'm there for that. I reckon it's pretty good. As for Marmute, he's at 4,300. Mm, uh, no, but at 42 on DraftKings, a little bit better. I don't. There's absolutely zero upside in him. But the minutes are going to be there, and he's getting you know, twenty or so a game, and that's that's not not terrible if you're just looking for a twenty point guy. I'd much rather take a Torian Prince at that sort of salary than a Marmute, but he is a, he is another consideration. Power forward Derek Favors, I you can't see how you can do it. He is playing exclusively center, and Gobert is playing thirty six minutes. So what does that leave for Derek? Nothing. Therefore, I'm not interested at 5,800. Most Bates are starting, but he is bad. And uh, Boris Dio is also starting and also bad. At center, this is where it's at. DeAndre Jordan, 7,800. And Gobert at 96 on Fangio. 96, forget that. No way. 78 for DeAndre Jordan. I really like it. But if you head across to DraftKings, it's 77 for Gobert and 75 for DeAndre. So I'm all there for Gobert at 7,700. Did not mean to, the, to do that rhyme. But 7,700 for Gobert on DraftKings, it just shows how much of a different 2,000 buck difference is huge. And it really does swing that ledger in favor of DeAndre Jordan. Let's wrap this up now with the picks of the day. On Fangio, Cannon, 2,600, George Hill, 57, and John Wall, 10,400. Reddick at 39, Brattles Beal, 79. Small forward Porter, 49, Joe Johnson, 57, and Gordy Haywood, 86. At power forward, Yurepko at 1,600, Miritich at 57, and Millsap at 86. And at center, Mahinmi, 1,500. Jordan, 78, and Al Horford, 83. On DraftKings, Austin Rivers, 32, Georgie Hill, 57, and Johnny Wall, 10-6. Timmy Hardaway, 45, Dwayne Wade, 72, and Jim Butler, 98. Small forward, Mamute, 42, Haywood, 79. Power forward, Olinik at 44, Miritich 54, and Millsap 84. And at center, Mahinmi's at 26, and Gobert at 7,700. On Moneyball, Austin Rivers 39, Dennis Schroeder 69, and Johnny Wall 11-1. Giggity! Rocket, Rodney Hood at 3,900, Brad... Well, not Brad. Dwayne Wade, that's him, 7,100. And Brad Beal at 85. Mamute 35. Porter, 6,000. And Haywood, 89. Miritich, 54. Millsap, 8,000. And Gortat at 49. Horford at 73. And DeAndre at 8,200. We're done. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. And don't forget to check out all our sponsors for the week. SeatGeek, use the promo code LOFANTASY. BlueApron.com slash LOFB, ZipRecruiter.com slash LOFB, and DollarShaveClub.com slash LOFB. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave a review. It is an enormous help to getting this show out to more people. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.